just when you thought it was safe to go onto iTunes. This is Next Level Guy. The only website that makes self-development as fun as going to the movies. It's time to take the red pill and escape the Matrix. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Next Level Guy Show podcast with your host, Ian Dawson Mackay. Today's guest is author of The Appearance of Power, Tanner Guzzi. Tanner has spent a decade in the world of menswear and even longer writing about it. He believes the most important question a person can ask is why and discovered this question was hardly ever asked in the world of men's clothing. So he decided to set out and find out the answer for himself. From working with custom suits, to studying philosophy, to speaking to audiences of thousands, Tanner has unlocked the keys, the principles and the philosophies of why men should care about the way they look and how it can transform your life. Tanner is a married, he's got three kids and he travels the world learning and teaching about masculinity and appearance and helping guys expand their understanding of the way the world works by what we portray to the world by what we wear. In this interview we discuss what our style portrays about us how we can use fashion to transform our lives, and how we can start building our own appearance of power right now. Starting today. Before we get into that, a quick word about our affiliates. I've got some awesome deals and some great relationships with some amazing companies. This allows me to obtain special discount codes, deals, and listener exclusives. Please go to www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates for further information. I'm particularly loving the Tribe of Mentors book, which is a fascinating read by Tim Ferriss. It's like an encyclopedia of success. The Cognitive Enhancers Alpha Brain, which you can get from onit.com. If you want to get a better dating life and meet girls of your dreams, you should check out The Natural, and that's by the awesome RSD Max. And another gem is the super thin but really warm undershirts that I'm wearing by Under Armour. Um, I wear them almost daily. I even t- wear them to my jiu-jitsu training. They're that good. They are the best shirts I've ever bought. Now, let's get to the interview with Tanner. If so, if I met you in a bar and, you know, I asked you over a drink what you did and you had 30 seconds to reply, you know, who? what would you say you did and who you were? So I would tell you that I help men learn how to dress in a way that's both authentic but then also gets them better opportunities in their lives. I help them understand that good style is not only important because of how other people perceive us and how they treat us, but also because of what it says to us about ourselves. And it can help us expect more of ourselves, be better, aspire to do, and become more. That's some impressive answer. So <laughs> and was there a turning point in your own life that made you want to focus on men, masculinity, and, you know, improving style and that sort of thing? Yeah, I think that they're, they're two kind of disconnected things that it's been fun to actually pull them together and, and see how they can work. When I was learning about the importance of style, I actually really stumbled upon it when I was in my early 20s. I was working a white-collar job. I was dating. I was hanging out with friends, and I just felt stagnant. I wasn't really making the progress that I wanted to. People at work weren't taking me as seriously as I wanted The caliber of girls I was attracting wasn't what I wanted. I just felt like I was in kind of a rut. And I realized that one of the reasons that I was being treated like a kid was because I still looked like a skate punk kid. 
And after I made this realization, I started trying to dress better, but it felt inauthentic and I hated the, the results of it. And so I, I was at this kind of crossroads where it's like, okay, do I hate the way that I look and the way that it makes me feel and dress according to this kind of suit and tie uniform? Or do I dress in a way that feels authentic, but then miss out on opportunities that can come and miss out on all this growth? And at this point, I actually had my little brother showed up at my house and he had a copy of GQ. And this was back in like 2006 before they just became complete garbage. And it showed a bunch of guys in suits who actually looked good. Like they didn't look like they were just wearing bad stuff from Mr. Mac that was nine sizes too big and, you know, made you look like you were just begrudgingly wearing one. And, and it was after flipping through those pages and then starting to discover that style really didn't have to be an either or. It could be a combination of both. I could dress in a way that felt very authentic and still leverage that appearance to being treated more like an adult, being taken more seriously, develop more self-respect, gain all these other advantages that come from dressing in a way that's that's receptive. And is that why your site focuses on, you know, the why we should wear certain things rather than the actual, you know, what to wear? Because I used to get those magazines as well and it would say, improve your style, buy a £600 t-shirt, you know, a £300 watch. And you're like, no, it, it, you know, it was nothing about you. It was just like a way for them to sell affiliate products. So, I mean, what made you focus on the why rather than the what? So that was a transition that came about a few years later. Uh, at the time, I had switched jobs and I was working for a men's clothing company doing custom suits. And as I was going through this, I realized that even though a lot of these men, I mean, they were coming to get suits, they wanted very different things. And at, at this same point, I was recognizing guys who were doing streetwear that looked really good or guys who were in you know, why did I identify so much with the aesthetic of punk rock back in the early 90s? And why was there something about that that was still so appealing? And it was after recognizing that there really is no objective, like good style versus bad style as far as like a suit is good style and everything that is in a suit is bad. But really realizing that there's a lot of room for personal taste and what's expected by the culture or subculture that you belong to. And even more so how masculinity is expressed and communicated through the things that we wear. That was when I really started diving deep in, in the why, because all of a sudden I recognized that the why mattered way more than the what or the how. I mean, that was definitely something that attracted me to your stuff was it wasn't just buy this product. You'll, this'll, you know, you'll be like everybody else. You were actually showing like, who the person was and why they should wear it and finding out more about them and stuff. And I really liked that kind of attitude you had of you explaining how we perceive each other, how we fit into, you know, how we fit into the different tribes and things like that. And it made me really want to get your book, you know, because the reviews are just off the chart with that just now. But if you were to break it down, how would you define masculinity? You know, what, what makes a good man and a successful man in your opinion? So I subscribe to Jack Donovan's four tactical virtues as far as how uh, how best to define masculinity as far as how men measured against each other. So those virtues are courage, strength, mastery, and honor. And then when it comes to how masculinity is actually represented or what our responsibilities are, you know, that's the difference. Those four tactical virtues are what makes you good at being a man. And then what makes you a good man is actually something related to a man who I know has been a guest on your show, Ryan Mickler, and it's his idea of preside, protect, and and provide. He's and so it's guy. a combination, right? Yeah, Mickler's awesome. I love him. And so it's a combination of those elements that I think is the the most 
complete definition of what it means to not only be a good man, but be a masculine man at the same time. So where do you think guys go wrong? I mean, I ask this for all guys and it's, you know, there's such a wide ranging variety of responses, but I mean, is there things that you see guys that come into your shop all the time? Have, are they trying to reclaim their youth? Have they struggled? You know, do they not know their identity? Is there things that you see them going wrong? You mean from a, just a style perspective? Um, well, it's their style, the way they portray themselves, their, you know, how they show themselves to the world. Gotcha. Yeah, I would say that the biggest mistake, there's, it's one of two, and there these two are very common. The first one I call aesthetic inertia, and this happens more often with older guys who are married, maybe they have a couple of kids, maybe even their kids are a little bit older, and they still dress like they used to back when they were making big decisions in their lives. And so they may dress like it was 2005 or 1995 or 2012, but basically they get to this point where they are progressing and making big decisions and, and making these evolutions in their lives. And then they just get stagnant and their style stops evolving because they stop evolving. And so you can, it's very easy to pinpoint. It's like, well, you feel like you peaked in 2013 because that's, you know, super skinny lapels on your suits and these kind of weird things or guys who have stuff that's even uh, older from different eras. And it's very obvious. And then the other mistake that a lot of guys make is they, they start to look towards whether this is something that prevents them from dressing better or it's something that they embrace when they start dressing better, they conflate the goals that men and women have when it comes to what we're trying to accomplish with our clothing. Because for women, what they're trying to communicate is things like youth and fertility and uh, being – just being uh, agreeable, agreeableness or other things that are kind of associated with traditional femininity. And the, I mean, that's why that's why eyeshadow exists, because it makes your eyes look bigger and it makes you look more innocent. Or that's why they wear high heels, because it, uh, you know, projects both their their chest and their rear end. And so it makes them look more feminine and it has these curves. And and so we kind of associate this idea of dressing well with looking good or looking pretty, making yourself look more appealing. Now, obviously, men are not wearing high heels or makeup or anything else. But what men really should be dressing for is this idea of looking more powerful, looking more respectable. And so looking younger is actually kind of the antithesis of looking more respectable or looking more powerful or being overly trendy when you belong to a subculture that doesn't value that kind of trendiness is very much the antithesis of being more powerful and more respectable. And so it's conflating women's goals with men's goals rather than actually thinking about what your goals are and then trying to develop strategies and tactics that will get you to those goals. No, I mean, that, that actually perfectly answers my next question because – I know a lot of guys who will turn around and say, what's it matter? You know, I wear an outfit, I wear like a uniform to work. I come home, throw on a pair of tracksuit bombs and a t-shirt. I'm just with the girlfriend. You know, why, why should guys really care about the, the image they're portraying? You know, is this something that affects our, like our jobs, our relationships, or is this just another thing, you know, another sort of superficial side of things, you know, why should we, show so much importance to what we wear. Yeah, it's easy to be able to just write it off as something that's vain or shallow. And part of that is because there are plenty of people in the world who do use it as something that's entirely vain or shallow. You know, you can look at con artists who have no substance in what they're offering, but they're able to trick and convince people into investing with them or trusting them or anything else in large part due to the way that they dress and the way that they carry themselves. And so it's this 
this deception and it all is rooted in the the shallowness and the superficiality of the way that we dress. Or you can see people who are successful and they're successful in spite of dressing in a way that we consider to be poor or sloppy or really casual. And so a lot of times we feel like there's this, this disconnect between the caliber of who we are as men and the quality of how we're dressing. But what we fail to recognize is that those situations on both ends, they're outliers. And really, clothing is communication. And when you think about it in that context, there are people who are very slick talkers and they're good at lying, but that doesn't mean that you don't need to be good at communicating and being able to express your desires and express your wants and and communicate other with other people and understand what other people are communicating with you. And that's what that's really what clothing is, is it's being able to express things like, am I ambitious? Do I think that I do I have a high opinion of myself or am I mostly concerned with comfort or am I mostly concerned with just going along and getting along and fitting in? And none of those things are necessarily better or worse, but you need to understand that regardless of whether or not you like it, you are communicating something with your clothing, not only to everybody else around you, but also to yourself. Because if the man that you see staring back at you in the mirror every day looks like he doesn't care, looks like he has no drive, looks like he has no ambitions, then on some level you are going to believe that story that you are a man who doesn't care, who doesn't have any drive, who doesn't have any ambitions. That's a fantastic answer. I mean, and is that sort of tied into why say like little kids will start trying to change their appearance you know like guys as they get a wee bit older maybe into their teens will you know start looking to change the way they dress to show their development their you know their new interests and things like that is is it fashion the first thing men use to show that they're different or they're make a statement or you know to portray who they truly are to the world yeah, 100%. I mean, when you think about being 12, 13, 14 years old, that's the stage where you finally start to see yourself as separate from your family unit. You know, you really are kind of creating your own individual persona. The the opinions of your peers may matter more than the opinions of your family or the authority figures in your life. And one of the ways that you start to separate yourself from your previous identity and establish your new identity, whether that's completely as an individual or your identity is part of a new group of people that you belong to, is you start to dress differently. I mean, that's what I really liked about your book um, and also like your site was – you know, it was the, it wasn't just that item. It was, you know, this will portray you to like this, to this person. If you're wanting to fit into this tribe, you know, this is how you should dress. I mean, when I took the, um, the archetypes edge test, I got rugged and oh, cool. when I suggested that to one of um to a parent, she said, oh, you're definitely rugged. You know, it was just that kind of, I wouldn't even have assumed I was that style. I think so many so few guys actually know what we are. So could you go into a little bit about what these masculine styles are? You know, is there really only three? Are we a bit of each or do we kind of more, you know, are we more defined into a particular role? Love this question because the archetypes are something that I developed a few years ago at just going through this kind of teaching and observing process. And as I went through it, I recognized that just summing it up into these three archetypes it to a very large extent is incomplete. So for your listeners who are unaware of what my body of work is, one of the ways that I help men better understand the direction in which they should be headed with their style is helping them figure out 
uh, their relationship with clothing based on three different archetypes. And those are rugged, refined, and rakish. And what's the most important thing about this is to understand that it's not necessarily what clothing style you like best, but it's more about determining the way in which you interact with the world around you and then creating a sense of style that is actually reflective of that. So take rugged, for example. If you're a man who is more interested in working with your hands, you enjoy the outdoors, you enjoy the physical world and nature, and you don't necessarily care that much about politics or money or uh, working with people or, or you know, you just like kind of the raw natural world, then you fit within that rugged archetype. And for the most part, wearing suits or wearing really fine luxury clothing isn't going to work within your lifestyle. It's not going to work with the way in which you interact with the world. Same thing for the guys who fit within the refined archetype, which is defined as far as men who thrive in the world of men. You enjoy rules and hierarchies and structure and civilization, and you can thrive based on money or status or connections or all these other variables. And then the rakish archetype is guys who you do best by being a rebel, by not going with the flow, by going against the grain, by being a little bit even Machiavellian or understanding that rebellion has its place. Those are kind of like the rock stars and the iconoclasts and these kinds of things. And a lot of guys will get hung up on, okay, well, what does rugged look like? Or what does refined look like? Or or what does rakish look like? And the thing that makes it a good starting point, but not complete in and of itself is one, most of us have some combination of all three. I'm primarily refined, but I have pretty even doses of both rakish and rugged in the way that I interact with the world. And so my style should reflect that. Some guys may be primarily rakish or primarily something else with none of this or, or a ton of that. And so knowing how you fit within all that is a really good guidepost. But even then, let's say, let's go back to this idea of the rugged archetype. You could have an American cowboy or somebody who's a lumberjack or somebody who's in the military or somebody who's into uh, like they're a survival expert. And yes, all of those men will fit within that rugged archetype, but they dress very differently. And that's because they're involved in different tribes or different activities or there's different expectations of them based on their own tastes or their own subculture. And so this idea of the three archetypes is hugely helpful, but it's also just a springboard. And, I mean, do you have particular examples? Like one of the things I used to do was I'd look at certain film characters or, you know, guys from the entertainment world and say, you know, th this guy is a good example of this. So when you came up with these, you know, characteristics, did you look at certain people, you know, and say that person's a great example of rugged, that one's a great example of refined, or is it quite difficult to kind of define people depending on their story? No, you can definitely pull from, especially when you're looking at uh, people who are movie characters or they're big icons in their industries, because for the most part, these people who are so influential and so much in the public eye, they have to lean into their appearance even more because they understand the value and the importance of it with kind of this big spotlight being on them. And so, for example, the quiz that you took, and this is available to, to the listeners if they want to take it to find out what their archetype is, one of the questions that's on there is who do you most identify with? Uh, from kind of like a character perspective, and the three options are Indiana Jones, James Bond, and Tyler Durden from Fight Club. And they are very much, I mean, Indiana Jones is very much the rugged archetype. James Bond is very much that refined, and Tyler Durden is very much that, that rakish archetype. Because I definitely pick James Bond, but I've, I obviously love the Daniel Craig James Bond. You know, it's the kind of, it's not the fashion that defines him. 
he wears right. that, that suits him. And that's why I really liked your site. It wasn't just the clothes that made the person. You you no. amplified how, who you were by what you wore. And I really I think that's why Craig is such a good bond. I agree with you because it's not just that he's a good looking guy in a tuxedo. He's an awesome, awesome you know, personification of, you know, this idea of courage and strength and, and he's this, this super secret spy and all this and he happens to look good in a suit or in a, or in a tuxedo, right? So where would you start? I mean, say somebody's listening going, yeah, okay, I, I do dress a bit scruffy and stuff, you know. How do we even begin this journey of, like, I mean, apart from buying your book, obviously, but how, how do we look at this and go, okay, step one, do we go through all our wardrobe and throw out stuff that doesn't define us? Or do we get, you know, should we go and buy an item a month till we get a decent selection? You know, where's the, the beginning step for somebody listening? So the first place to start is to actually figure out what your goals are. Because if you're trying, I mean, from like a travel perspective, if you're trying to get to the United States versus trying to get to the UK, like you're going to go in different directions depending on where you're starting from, right? And so you have to at least determine what your goals are before you can actually start coming up with a plan of attack and then applying the actual tactics to those goals. And so this is where it can get kind of difficult for a lot of men because it does require some introspection and some honesty, but you have to think about what are the things that are going well in my life? What are the things that I'm missing in my life? And how can my clothing either reinforce the things that are do that are going well or help compensate for or improve on the things that aren't going well. So for example, if you're not making progress within your industry, your, your career is kind of stalled, maybe one of the things that you can do to help is recognize how other men within that industry who are higher up in the, in the career ladder than you are, see if they're dressing differently than you. See if they're communicating a different story, if there's a level of competence or mastery or something else that's being expressed through their clothing that you are missing. And then figure out ways that you can start to emulate some of that so that you can look like you're one of these top tier guys and then therefore start to act and be treated like you're one of these guys as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with that because when I started in my current role, like I worked full time in addition to this, was I did the whole, I'd kind of dressed a bit down because, you know, it was just a jumper and a pair of chinos and a pair of shoes because I was moving furniture around, I was helping set up for events and stuff like that. So it was functional rather than like style really. And now mm -hmm. you roll them in. I, I'm into a more sort of customer focused role and I noticed the guys I work with are a lot more shirts, ties, blazers, suits, whereas I had to step up my game. But I I, yeah. I now feel like I'm playing on their level by that improvement. But how do, how do can somebody really you know how can we look at what our goals are do you have like something on is there something on your site that can help people in that kind of you know how would you work with a person who's just come in your door and said help me i've dressed horribly so the there's two different ways that you can approach it one is actually i would argue that there's three because there's kind of the way that most men do which is just kind of accidentally with and a little bit organically and you make a lot of mistakes and hopefully you figure it out to the point where you're actually recognizing it, but you may just stumble into it. 
But obviously, if you want to avoid that, the headache, the time, even the money investment and all those things, uh, one of the ways is to to pick up uh, my book, The Appearance of Power, because it walks you through establishing the, those goals, even based on those different uh, those different tactical virtues. Like, do you want to communicate courage, strength, mastery, or honor? How has that happened historically? How does that happen with your own different groups? Um, but then one of the things that's one of the main things that I do with my coaching clients, because each man's situation is unique. What his archetypal ratio is, what his goals are, what his family scenario is, the tribes that he belongs to. And so I work with guys both one-on-one and in small groups in order to actually help these guys put this into practice and do it in a way where they're not making as many mistakes. They're saving themselves money. It's taking less time so they can get to that destination more quickly and more effectively. I think you'd obviously hate to work with me. Um, How come? I'm six foot foot three um like quite heavy because i do a lot of weightlifting and Uh stuff like that so when i buy stuff i tend to buy if it fits and i'll buy three or four of that color style has never been a friend of mine shall we say so gotcha can you know we all assume that a big fashion overhaul will cost an absolute fortune so can we do this off the rack and you know like those shops that are in our local shopping mall shopping center whatever you want to call it can can a guy improve a style like this or do we need to go to like boutiques and all these sort of fancy stores you know how easy can a guy do this it very much depends on things like your build because for someone like you it sounds like you may have to actually invest uh, to a large degree in either more custom clothing or you'll have to put in more time and energy to find brands who may not be at the local mall or who may not be top of mind when you think of men's clothing but who actually will cater to what your build is and what your what your aesthetic goals are what i teach both my clients and just kind of my regular audiences, when it comes to improving your style and the the cost of it or the effort that goes into it, there's three variables that you have to look at. You have to look at time, money, and energy. And those all have a direct relationship with each other. So if you don't have a lot of money that you can put into it, that's fine. But th- what that does mean is that you will need to put in more time and more energy to get the results that you want. Or if you do have the money and you don't have the time, then you can put in more money and put in more energy and, and shorten the amount of time. And so there's always going to be a trade-off between those three different variables. Now, if you're a guy who's just kind of averagely built and you also don't have to have a specifically unique style, then you're pretty dang lucky because, yes, you can go into a Zara or an H&M or a Massimo Duty or somewhere else and, and pick up kind of anything that's there and available – But then at the same time, you're also missing out on opportunities to express any individuality or express anything that's actually going to be unique about who you are as a man because you're just wearing stuff that kind of anybody else is wearing that they can pick up from the mall as well. And it's, I mean, that's why I love your stuff. It's, you know, you really actually make people think about what we're wearing. It's not just a case of, ah, well, it's a jacket, it'll do. You know, you're actually making us think about how we look as a person and how we portray it to, you know, the opposite sex, to the, to their bosses, to people we work with, to customers coming in, and you know, it really made me kind of go, oh, I can't wear that. You know, I can't do that. <laughs> I, I kind of th- I would want to throw out half my wardrobe at the moment. Let's put it that way. So, I mean, and what's your take? I mean, how do we individualize our outfits? You know, how what kind of how do we look at terms of the fit, the the message it's portraying? How do we know that it's really matching to our goals? 
so much of this comes down to the ability to not necessarily create new and interesting elements, but to be able to combine or even omit things from specific archetypes or tribes or anything else, especially because you can dress well and dress in a way that's totally supportive of your goals and have that be in a way that's very neutral, culturally neutral, archetypically neutral, tribally neutral. Because if your goal is to be someone who just looks good but doesn't necessarily stand out, then you don't necessarily need to tell a very specific story. And so again, that's why I always come back to this idea of know what your goals are because you need to know what it is you're trying to accomplish. Are you comfortable standing out? Are you more comfortable fitting in? Are you trying to get ahead? Are you just trying to kind of maintain the status quo within this tribe to free yourself up to focus on other things? And then from there, you can actually start looking at these different tactics and strategies and and looking at these different pieces and combining them in a way that still feels authentic rather than just I'm going to go buy a green shirt because I, I apparently I need to have a green shirt to be successful. Like, yeah, that tactic may be appropriate, but if you don't understand why, then you're missing out on other opportunities to make that tactic work better for you in the future. I mean, one thing I've recently been doing is getting shirts tailored. Um, uh-huh. What a difference it makes. You know, you wear a normal shirt and you think, oh, I need to wear a shirt. And if it doesn't fit right, you know, maybe it's too baggy, too long, sleeves don't fit. It it doesn't give you that like that feeling of grown up even, I suppose, for a better term. But as soon as right. I put on the tailored shirt, I'm a different person. I mean, is that something that we should be looking at? You know, should we be getting the tailored shirts? Should we be getting like how how can we ensure that what we're doing shows us in the best light? I mean <sighs> Is it the best thing to do, start with a suit, get a couple of shirts, or is it really just down to each person? So a couple questions in there, and I love these because it's fun to think about it this way. And let's talk about first why that tailor shirt works well because some guys will think, well, that's that's awesome if you're big and in shape. But for me, being short and scrawny or big and, and overweight or anything else, a tailored shirt doesn't work. And, and the irony is it doesn't necessarily look good on on a man just because it shows off the fact that your build is aesthetically pleasing but it looks good because of what it communicates it communicates attention to detail it communicates an actual concern for the little things it expresses uh, the ability to understand social situations it expresses confidence in knowing what your body is and that you're not trying to hide it and so all of those things can be communicated through a shirt that fits well irrespective of what kind of shape you're in, how tall or short or fat or thin or anything else. And so again, it's the power of that communication that can be much more important than just the pure aesthetics of, is this proportionately pleasing on me? Okay. I mean, what I really liked was you didn't just give out the exact same, you know, you see it on all these other men's sites. You Here's the 15 things you must buy. And you think mm-hmm. it doesn't show you how to wear them, how to fit it into what you're wearing. Whereas you do focus on, you've got some great examples of the staples um, for guys. But I often wondered, like, if style is individual, can there be such a thing as staple items that every guy should own? Or are these, yeah. you know, can all guys really wear these things and be individual and be fashionable and stylish and be true to themselves? 
that's what's so fun about this idea of having staples or essentials or anything else is they work well as a starting point and they work well from the perspective of they're being relatively culturally and tribally neutral. So for example, you take a pair of dark jeans with a white button-up collared shirt or a button-up shirt that has a collar on it and a pair of uh, like white sneakers, okay? That's something that works pretty well, but it definitely leans more refined and rakish than it does rugged. And if all you did, if all you did was swap out those sneakers for a pair of work boots, then that definitely helps it lean more rugged than it does refined or rakish. And so you always you can start with these things as a starting point, but you never want to be beholden to this idea of I have to have these 30 items or these 15 items. And in order for me to be able to be in style, in order for me to have my image work for me, then I need to know what the upcoming trend is for spring 2018 and the five shoes I need to own for that season in order to look like I'm ahead of it. You know, like none of that stuff is necessarily super applicable, especially because even with these ideas of staples or timeless style or essentials or anything else, you go back 500 years and none of that matters. You go forward 500 years and none of that matters. But the principles of communication, expressing tribal identity or individuality or what it is that defines you as a man, those kinds of things have been expressed through clothing and will continue to be expressed through clothing forever. So are there like general no-nos are there things that you should just not do regardless of what archetype you you are is there fashion no-nos that every guy should follow i kind of love that i've never had this question actually uh, <laughs> i'll be asking for then, your tax records and all that i stuff. know right <laughs> <laughs> um i would say that the only no-nos are things that are going to be – and again, it's not its not necessarily like don't ever wear this item because you can take something like a skirt and worn in the, the right context. It's not actually a skirt. It's a kilt, you know, and and those – and so the application of it and the way that it's perceived and what's being communicated is important. And so you just have to factor in – I would say the big thing to make sure is you don't want to look like a child – and you don't want to look like a woman. And as long as you're doing those two things, then, or as long as you're avoiding those two things, then everything else can kind of be working for you rather than against you. Yeah, I really like that kind of, you know, that kind of general rules that it gives you that open play to change and adapt. Because I've seen ones where, you know, guys get transformations and they put like what some would call a skirt on them, but they wear mm -hmm. it in a certain way that they go, oh, okay. You know, that it fits into the person the i think it was the try guys you know one of them was very oh, uh -huh. outlandish and he was very um eugene and you know he he wore what some would say is more feminine clothing but he owned it because you know it, it, he adapted it to his style it made um, it part of him rather than just an item that kind of just stood out so I know. Yeah, and I can I can certainly see the value in that and what's interesting is I know from me and my own perspective 
I don't fit within that tribe. And so I would see that and go, that's just effeminate. I don't care. Like I, that's, but that's my injecting my own personal taste. And if it works for him, and that's the thing, I think a lot of guys will look at clothing as kind of like on a moral spectrum where it's right and wrong. And really it's not, it's just whether it's effective or ineffective. And so if what he's wearing is effective for him and his goals, then he's, he's using his clothing appropriately. If it's not, like if he's wearing what, if that Eugene guy shows up at an oil rig in South Dakota, like the way that he dresses, the way that he acts, the way that he carries himself is not going to do him any favors. So it's ineffective for what his goals would be in that kind of environment with that group of people. Yeah, I mean, this is why I love the way you look at things. It's These are things so many guys don't even bother. You know, we start going to the gym, we start, like you know try to learn a new language or be you know better with women and stuff like that but nobody ever tells us this sort of thing as we grow up you know we look at our fathers who maybe dress in the old like the old grandpa jumpers the old pair of mm-hmm. jeans and stuff we, we don't learn this as kids and it's it's a real sad state of affairs i mean i love the way that you just you stand out but you know you fit into the tribe but you know fine well from looking at you what you do you know that you were a speaker at like at the the men's 20 was it the 21 convention uh-huh that yep. you knew straight away that you were an, you know you were the power guy you were the guy there to make the speeches whereas you look at some of the other guys who maybe haven't fitted in there they you can tell them apart so yep. can you give an example of like how we can use accessories i mean i noticed that you've got an amazing ring could you tell me a little bit about it is it, you know, is it like a family heirloom or is it something that you've picked to help accentuate what you've got? I love the idea of trying to figure out accessories because they're always easier to incorporate when there is a story to them. Um, there's certain things that I, I honestly, so the the ring that you're talking about, it's a, it's a big lion head that's on, uh, I wear it on my forefinger on my right hand and I wish... I really do wish that it was something that like my dad had worn or that my grandpa had worn. And I have things like cufflinks or tie pins or stuff like that that are that are from family. And I hope that this ring is something one day that my son will be interested in wearing. You know, all those heirlooms have to start somewhere. But if you have something that has a story to it, uh, something that has an association with an accomplishment for you or something that you've done, then it certainly makes them a lot easier to wear. So this, the lion head, the lion head is part of my logo. And this was a gift that was given to me by a friend as kind of a, a celebration or a congratulation for a, a milestone in my business. And so it's got that and kind of that recognition and that reminder there for me. Um, but even the ability to – even some guys like you pick up things. I, I have a friend who uh, has done multiple kind of ayahuasca self-discovery journeys down in South America. And he's got some wild stories from doing that. And he's got a necklace that he wears that actually has some some fossilized ayahuasca on it. Because for him, that's been such kind of a critical component of his journey of self-discovery. And so it's something that that works. And it's an interesting piece. And it works within his style. The other thing that I'll say about the rakish archetype or about accessories is you have to have some component of that rakish archetype in you in order to be able to pull that off. Because it does draw attention. It does make you stand out. It does polarize some people. Some people really like it. Some people re- will really hate it. And so you have to be comfortable with the idea that it's not going to be a neutral thing when people see any sort of accessory on you. No, and I think that's the difference is it doesn't stand out when I look at you. You know, your your style and the way you put yourself together, it, it helps the look. It doesn't jump out, you know. 
And I think this is the problem is a lot of guys jump immediately and go, okay, I'm going to go buy some new clothes. And they, they go to the local shopping center, but they fall for the adverts. They fall for the way things are displayed. And how can we avoid the philosophy of like shops having, you know, their advertising campaigns? How can we avoid falling for these kind of things and picking clothes that actually work for us rather than the, what the shop wants us to buy? The way I look at it as if I wouldn't let a 22-year-old chick with a fashion degree determine anything else about my life, why would I let her choose what I'm going to be telling people every single day with my clothing? I love the answer. Because <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing. you know. I say to guys, go to the gym, and they go and they go, oh, the guy told me I should sign up for classes, so I signed up for classes. And it's like, but is that what you want to do? No, I want to lift weights. Yeah. Well, why are you doing classes then? I, I, you know, I think it's we, we just immediately go, oh, that's the expert. I'll just do what they say, and it's that authority fallacy, yeah. And it, we really struggle. I mean, I, I only kind of pick shops that I know that I can actually find something that fits in. But the, the online, there's so many options, and I think we struggle. So, I mean, can you go into a little bit about how the tribes? I really like the the way that you sold this about, you know. You have your church as a tribe, you have your family as a tribe, you have your friends as a tribe, rather than as being, you know, you instead of just saying we fit into European, American, whatever, you mm -hmm. actually showed that we each have like sub tribes that we have to fit into. You know, how, how do we balance work, religion, sports, you know, friends? How can we make sure that how we're dressing and the masculine image we're portraying? fits into all the different tribes we've got to be part of i think the easiest way to do that and it really is a challenge because a thousand years ago like your work and your family and your religion and your geographic location like everything was all just combined in one tribe that was just who and what you were and you didn't really have to think about it and but even then those different tribes wore clothing that visibly separated them from other tribes. That was how you knew who your people were and who they weren't. And those lines were much more demarcated. Whereas now you're right. You do have to look at all these other things about, well, what are my political affiliations and how do I believe about things like spirituality and what music am I into and hobbies and sports, or do I not care about any of that stuff? And it's, it really can be hard to navigate. And one of the things that I've done and what I teach my clients is, is you have to actually go through and prioritize which of these tribes you most identify with and you derive most of your identity from and then use that to be able to develop your style in a way that reflects that. So for example, some guys when they're young, I mean for me when I was in high school, I most identified with the tribes of BMX biking and punk music and that was the way that I dressed, that was everything that I centered my life around and it was, you know, during that transformation in my 20s that I realized that music and a hobby, they're not bad things, but they are not the things that my primary identity should consist of. Like I need to be way more than just what I do when I'm not at work and the music that I listen to. And so it's going through and prioritizing, you know, is it a church that I belong to? Is it my family and their expectations of me? Is it my role as a father or a husband or just a boyfriend? Is it my career and what my ambitions are there? And as you can prioritize the relevance of those tribes in your life, then you can prioritize the relevance of dressing in a way that actually helps you better navigate those relationships within those tribes. So what would you advise to somebody that maybe has a uniform for work or, 
you know, maybe they have a religious um, attire that they have to use or, you know, conservative parents or things like that. How can, how would you advise those sort of people to portray who they are, but still fit within the kind of the boundaries of their family, their religion, their, their work, you know, is, is there something that they can do to show who they are, but in a, in a more reserved way? Yeah, 100%. I think that that's where it comes down to things like how you wear it or what it's made of or how it fits versus necessarily what the item is. Because if you're someone who, let's say that you have to wear a uniform at work and you're more of kind of a rake and a rebel and you don't really like the idea of having to wear that uniform, then there are ways that you can kind of you know, wear it in a, that's a little bit more sloppy or wear shoes that are a little bit different or something else so that it looks a little bit more rebellious. Whereas if you're the kind of guy who really leans into it, embraces it, then you need to look like you're wearing it because you want to, that you're the one who decided what the uniform is rather than somebody else imposing their will of a uniform on you. And so again, it's factoring in how do you feel about your relationship within that tribe? What are your goals within that tribe? And then how can you use your relationship with your clothing within that tribe to help you accomplish those goals? So if you want to stand out and be a rebel, wear that uniform in a way that kind of breaks the rules. If you want to fit in or if you want to be a leader, then embrace those components of how you can wear that stuff. I love it. I love the way it's just, you know, there's no excuse not to. Because I was nope. just thinking of like, there's so many things guys say is, oh, I've just got to wear a uniform. But it's, you know, you see the, the people who portray different things or, you know, oh, my parents wouldn't let me do that. You know, there's always things you can do to show who you are as a person. So, I mean, what, say you had somebody listening just now and went, oh, okay, I'm super fired up. I want to show who I am as a person. How, like, what challenges would you give them? I mean, what would you say to somebody, apart from buying the book, could they be like, go away and pick three goals and pick an item to support that and then send you an email with it? Or, you know, what kind of challenges would you advise them to do? Uh, I would tell them the first thing to do is spend some time online, whether that's on Instagram or on Tumblr or even, I know it's not the most masculine place, but there's a lot of good imagery on there somewhere like Pinterest and pull up something like 60 images that you just you just resonate with and it doesn't matter if you like it because of one particular thing and you hate everything else about it but just pull up images of things that you like and then spend some time going through and looking at those images and seeing if you can find any common threads between them this is one of the things that i do uh, hand in hand with my clients when we get to a particular week in our process. And it's so helpful in helping them recognize that it's like, oh, you're a sneaker guy or you really like dark colors or you're somebody who really gravitates towards more texture than pattern or recognizing those different variables. And that's the easiest way to feel like you can start feeling authentic in what you're wearing, irrespective of what it is that you actually end up picking up and buying. So, I could go on and talk about these kind of things for ages, but I mean, I want to start to get to know a bit about you and what you think about fashion and how the, the whole industry is evolving. So do you think, are we, once we're into these archetypes, are we stuck in these archetypes? Can a ragged person ever become more refined? You know, does that come with age or do we tend to stay in these general areas as we, once we're, once we're kind of, you know, sorted into these different areas, we're stuck in them? No, I think things definitely change. I've even experienced that to a large extent for myself. I, uh, 
within the last year, I, I left the, the men's clothing company I was involved with and started doing uh, my own site and my own coaching and everything else full time. And as I left that world of very specific suiting and sartorialism and very much being in that, I still love wearing suits. But I found that as I get to spend more time on my own, my parents moved to a small town and my wife and I gravitate towards that more and more. I'm finding more and more of this kind of latent, rugged component to not only how I want to dress, but also just how I want to live my life. And most men, we should be evolving. We should not be the same man today that we were five years ago, nor should we be the same man five years from now that we are today. We should be growing and evolving. And some of that may be tribal. Some of that may be related to archetypes. Some of that may just be related to our own kind of goals and ambitions. And if those things change, then our style should be changing and evolving with us. I love that. I love the way that you, you know, you look at it with me is that we're just never finished. We always keep going and going and going. So could you give me an example of, you know, what was the worst fashion trend or fashion item that you owned you know it what what do you look back on and go oof i can't believe i wore that <laughs> i'm actually i've been trying to dig through old photos at my parents house because i want to be able to to demonstrate these things to, to my own audience to show that you know there you will make mistakes and sometimes you have to cross lines in order to uh to be able to find out where the lines actually are but i mean Jeez, oh, there's so many. Uh, even just little things like I remember back in the early 2000s, just a little thing of like wearing my belt, but so that the the belt buckle was all the way over on my left hip instead of centered between my hips, which is fine if you're wearing that with a pair of skinny jeans and a t-shirt at the skate park. It doesn't work if you're trying to do loans at a bank. You know, people are coming to you to ask for money. And stuff like that. I remember there was one day in high school where <laughs> I don't think I've ever actually talked about this on on any of my own channels or any other podcast interviews or anything before. But there was one day where I just wanted to kind of gauge and see what the reactions were. So I wore a turtle costume <laughs> to high school. I was a junior and I ended up wearing that all day just to kind of see how different people would respond to it. And that was, that was kind of humiliating. You know, it was funny for like the first like two periods. And then after that, it's like, oh crap, I'm committed to this thing all day. Uh, and well, yeah, there's just, there's a lot I've made a lot. And that's why I know a lot of, you know, this stuff is I've spent thousands of hours and made so many mistakes learning about how all this stuff actually works. Well, I suppose if, if, if you're not making mistakes, you're not learning as they say. No, not at all. Right. <laughs> I can I, you know, of all the things I thought you'd say. A turtle costume was not the one that you picked. <laughs> I'm seeing you just now in that, you know, that yellow suit jacket and the, you know, the the smart trousers, and you're all like really powerful up on the stage for that talk. And then all of a sudden, I'm now seeing you in a turtle suit. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta find those pictures. I really do. And I mean, obviously, that wasn't like a weekly uniform for me, but I really was dumb enough that I thought, yeah, I'll wear this to school today and see what happens. And I had to commit to it all day long and. Yeah, that was that was definitely a mistake. So what do you think was sort of holding you back back then? Like, you know, what what made you like when you look back now, do you see something that's stopping yourself and other men becoming the the guys that they can be? Is it that we just don't get like father advice to show us how to dress or we don't know where to go because women kind of I suppose they get over sexualized more? You know, they get it's more on how they look, where guys, it's more about what we do. 
Yeah, I think for me, my own situation was a little bit different because so my parents, uh, when I was in fourth grade, they took me out of our regular uh, public school and put me in a in a private school. I'm not sure if that's the same terminology you use over there, but basically from a government school into a private institution. And uh, I started, I had to wear a uniform. And I remember seventh and eighth grade being really difficult years for me because all of my friends at home in the neighborhood and all the friends that I would ride my bike with and go to concerts with, they all could wear whatever they wanted. And I would get picked on because I was wearing a, a school uniform. And so for me, when I went back to regular school in ninth grade, it was so nice to finally be able to wear the band t-shirts and wear the, the BMX clothes and that kind of stuff. But then the problem was, is I was so fixated on that, that I held onto that clothing long after those hobbies became my primary identity. I mean, those were my primary identity in high school, but by the time I was 23, 24 and making these big transitions in my life, they weren't. And so many of us want to hold on to the sports that we're into or the music that we listen to or the movies that we watch or nerd culture this or sports culture that or anything else that we don't recognize that those things are not bad in, a, in and of themselves, but they should be secondary or kind of additional accessory components of what our identity is as opposed to the primary thing of what our identity is and what it should be. And if we can figure out what our primary identity is and what it should be, and then figure out how to express that to the world around us through our clothing, then that's where it becomes not only more effective, but it actually becomes kind of fun to figure out how to dress better. Okay. So see these people who say things like, you should always dress the level above the majority in your office. You know, if you're, if you know, say if the common outfits like a jumper and a pair of chinos, you should wear a suit to the office. You know, you want to be the person the level above everybody else would you agree to those kind of things or do you think that just makes you a fake version of somebody i think again it comes back to your goal if you're if your goal is to rise in the ranks and you want to get promoted and you want new responsibilities and you want the higher ups to pay attention to you and it's an environment in which dressing more formally is rewarded then absolutely you should do that. But if you work in the tech industry in Silicon Valley and the higher-ups do not look at dressing more formally as a positive indicator, then you absolutely should not do that. Or if you work in an industry where that is positively rewarded but you don't have any ambitions because you like your, your current job level and you would rather invest your time and your mental energy and your emotional energy into other things beyond just your career, then there's no reason to make yourself stand out and make yourself more of a target for promotions or changes or anything else. And so again, it's, it's very context and goal dependent. So how would you advise somebody who maybe wants to dress in a certain way but is friends with you know guys who are you know like maybe they're rugged they're wearing the lumberjack shirts and the work boots but you know somebody's maybe a bit more refined and is a bit you know a bit posher and a bit better dressed it's you know the, the, the modern way of looking at it is how can guys make sure that they're true to themselves but still fit into the tribes have you had any issues with like fitting in with friends who maybe you're dressed differently or you know you maybe you're seen as not fitting the mold of that type, particular tribe yeah and i think one of the things that's most important is to recognize that everything has a cost and sometimes my own personal taste or my own feelings of liking what i'm wearing and the authenticity that comes with it can come at the cost of fitting in within a tribe or being able to enjoy 
uh, a tighter relationship with some people. And that's not fair and that sucks, but that's the reality of it. And so what you need to do is look at the situation and assess, well, what's more important to me? Is it more important that I fit in and that I look like these other guys and I get the opportunities that come from that? Or is it more important that I stand out, I feel authentic in everything that I'm wearing, and I love everything that I'm wearing, and then after you've evaluated which is more important, then you can make a decision from there. The other thing that I would say to that is a lot of guys will initially start to get grief from some of their friends when they start dressing better, and there's a huge difference between your buddies just being good buddies and teasing you because that's one of the ways that we interact with each other as men. Like by all means, if your buddy starts dressing differently, give him a little bit of a hard time. But if it becomes a prolonged thing or it really does affect your relationship or they start to resent you, then maybe those are not the guys you want to be investing real time and energy into that relationship with anyway. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the problem is we do evolve and we do outgrow people, but we try to keep in and we hide certain factors of ourselves to to suit the general, you know, the general what's the word, thesis of the group, where it's yep. maybe not who we are. And I think that's why a lot of guys start drinking heavy, they start doing drugs, they they act out because they don't know how to show the world who they truly are and still fit in with their friends. And like you said, it's maybe not the type of people that you want to be with. So how do you make sure then? How can we? help the next generation of guys like your sons your nieces uh, nephews all these kind of people how do we make sure we can help them dress better and dress to who they truly are not to a fashion trend so one of the things that i do with my own son who's three is and obviously he's at an age where he's pretty young it'll be a lot of fun i'm actually very much looking forward to teaching him more about the stuff as he gets more like eight or nine and then certainly through his teenage years but one of the things that I do as a dad is I help my kids understand that their expectations for them to wear things in certain environments or around certain people. For example, tonight we're going to a Christmas party and it's going to be a neighborhood Christmas party and my kids are not going to be wearing jeans that have holes in them and kind of ratty t-shirts. I don't I I have no problem with them wearing that stuff to the skate park. But that's not what is appropriate for this kind of environment. Will there be kids there who wear that stuff? Absolutely. Do I think my kids should not hang out with those kids? Absolutely not. But I'm instilling in my kids the understanding that certain locations or environments or events or things, there are expectations that we dress in certain ways. And then as they get older, I can start to help them understand that you're communicating things or you're expressing different things. And I think really the most important thing is helping Younger men understand because we get this on a subconscious level. That's why in high school you dress like your friends and your clique is, looks different than the other cliques. And I mean, we're very tribal and we all, to some extent, understand that clothing communicates that tribal loyalty, but it's just being able to talk about it and articulate it in a way that we can actually learn from it as opposed to just kind of blindly trying to figure it out naturally. So, how, how should we? analyze this you know like once we start making the changes how do we know we're doing this well is there changes in people's behavior should we look at how we feel you know internalize it or is it a case that we start achieving more goals or how, how do we know we're on the right path 
all three of those when you're no, you know, you're doing it right when all three of those are working in conjunction with each other and they actually start to get kind of synergistic when your relationships with people are becoming ones where you have more, you're treated with more respect, authority, those kind of things. When you feel more authentic and you actually don't resent what you're wearing or just feel like, Oh, I'm just putting this on because it's clean. And you actually see yourself starting to accomplish more things. That's when you know, you've dialed this in the right way. Well, now's time for my favorite part of the interview. Like, I, I, you know, I could, I've still got literally about another three pages of questions. <laughs> I could listen to you talk about this all day because I find it so fascinating. That's but awesome. If I was to throw out some prompts to you, if you just come back with, you know, the first thing that comes into your mind. So, for example, your favorite movie. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Ah, very good choice. Um, <laughs> so what would you say is the guilty pleasure of yours? You know, what what, what are you, maybe not ashamed, but what what do you feel bad about admitting to? Punk rock covers of pop songs. I love lifting to that stuff. Uh, and I did notice, you know, that you did, you lift in that, but do you still have these t-shirts, like the punk t-shirts and stuff like that? I do. I use them either in the gym or as just kind of like pajama shirts now. And what kind of bands are we talking? You know, what what was the inspiration when you were younger? Oh man, that's where it gets really embarrassing because it's not like cool like '80s punk rock. It's like '90s and mid 2000s like pop punk and ska music. <laughs> I was, so like I was not Midtown that. and Real Big Fish and Less Than Jake and all that. Like yeah, that that was my whole generation when I was in high school. That sounds good. That sounds good. Uh, <laughs> is there a fashion myth that you wish would just die you know is there something that just drives you crazy every time you see it in men's magazines and stuff the idea that suits are the pinnacle of men's style um uh, the best purchase under a hundred dollars you know that's changed your life the most clothing or just in general anything at all you know is there a gadget that you just love oh that's a good question i don't know I would have to say, dude, I don't know. Under a hundred dollars, that's a tough one. No, I don't. I don't think I have an answer for that. <laughs> it's bizarre. There's things we use every day that we never stop and go. That's my favorite. So, but as soon as it breaks or you lose it, you go, oh, it's it's the end of the, the end of the world. You know, it's. And I'm trying to think one that is for me, and I can't think just now. Probably like. Some guys like their wallets. Some guys mentioned. Okay, I, I can think of one. It's a pocket knife. And it's not that like my world ends, but I feel naked if I leave the house without it. I hate traveling because I don't have it on me. So yeah, it's a, it's a pocket knife. Ah, see, that's perfect. It's the one that, you know, it feels like you've left part yourself away when you don't yes. have it. Um, yep. So can you give me an example? You have five spare seats at a dinner table and you can go real or fictional, alive or dead. Who do you invite to your ideal dinner party? Okay. Um, George Washington, Joseph Smith, who is the founder of the Mormon church, which I belong to. Um, I would go with Genghis Khan. He would be super interesting to, to have a conversation with. Um, that's a party and a half already, right? That would be so wild. Just right there. Uh, I would also go with, uh, with John Locke. That's uh, who my son is named after. Just his uh, whole idea of uh, enlightenment philosophy and everything else. And then I would say Socrates. That's some interesting choices. You know, the guy that started your church and the guy that uh, 
probably populated half the world at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> <Descendants>. Right. <laughs> so when you know, so what's the ideal goal for everything? You know, how can fashion keep evolving? Can you keep the site going for ages? You know, how how do you keep building content, or will you get to a point where we can't talk about fashion anymore? I think as long as I can continue to help men understand how style and aesthetics can improve their lives, then there will always be something to talk about. Because when it comes to the actual approach of wear this, don't wear that, this is in season, that's in season, that can get tired really quickly. And you you see evidence of this a lot with, I mean, whether it's big publications like GQ and Esquire or other online magazines or other kind of uh, venues that talk about style, it's very easy to see these guys have to kind of repeat and go on cycles and just talk about the same thing over and over again. But if you can talk about the meaning, if you can talk about how it affects people's lives, and if I can teach men to better understand that this does have an impact and how to make it have a positive impact, I don't think I'll ever run out of something to teach. And is there an interview question that you've had that drives you crazy, has been answered too much already, or you feel like when you get it, they don't know you enough. You know, what what questions do you really hate when you get interviewed about this sort of stuff? The ones that bug me the most are the ones that are very like, what's the one item that uh, no man should have in his closet? Because those those obviously give away that somebody hasn't really digested or even you know spent any time with my content because they're looking for prescriptive tactical advice as opposed to understanding that it's context it's goal oriented it's it's uh, strategic as opposed to that other way of going because there there is a time and a place where cargo shorts are appropriate there's a time and a place where flip-flops are appropriate there's a time and a place where basketball shorts are appropriate and so anybody who kind of asked me to say strike this from ever having existed doesn't understand my content and that's why you know when i when i seen your stuff and it was like oh, another men's fashion site and i was like oh he's not just giving the same rehashed device he's actually making you think and bettering people's lives from your content and you know you've you've helped transform so many people you have some amazing hits and reviews on like the book from amazon have you seen a client transformation that's blown you away yeah i i gotta tell you working with my different clients in fact as soon as we finish up our call then i'm going to be jumping on with a, a client call right after that and i don't think i've had a single client who hasn't had some real life major changes and what's fun is that I have a couple who I can't even use like real before and after photos because they don't necessarily look super different to an untrained eye, but to them their understanding of fit or texture or uh, the way that they're expressing themselves can totally change. And so I've had clients who have been able to get their businesses, you know, really start seeing some results because their their branding has now been on point or they've had their relationship with their kids improve because they now it's easier for them to see them as authority figures whose opinions matter as opposed to just, you know, some slob who work, who cares about what people at work think but then just gives up as soon as he gets home or there's there's been a lot of them and it's fun to see all of them. I think we all know guys like that. So if a guy's listening to this, you know, you'll have made some major fans from this. I mean, I, I definitely want to have you back on because you could use me. I love it. You could use me as a case study to improve. <laughs> but I want, I want to show guys just like how amazing your stuff is and how life-changing it can potentially be for them. So what do you want them to take from this interview? I want guys to take the idea that 
what you wear has meaning. Whether you like it to or not, it does. And so you can either bury your head in the sand about it or you can embrace it and make sure that the meaning that's in there is the meaning you want to be in there. And one thing I love to finish on, um, apart, well, apart from how we keep in touch, but is, is there a fact about yourself that very few people know that will blow people away who listen? You know, I like having a little a secret for the very end so that people are glad they waited to the end. We've had oh, people man, tell, you know, all sorts of wonderful and weird stories. I've already given you so many between the third wave ska and the turtle costume. I've like totally bared my soul on this podcast. I'll, okay, I'll give you one more little kind of nerd fact about me is um, as much as I love reading self-improvement books and as much as I definitely don't identify with this tribe, I can – if you put a good fantasy novel in front of me, I can read that for 12 hours straight and just get totally sucked into another world. Are we talking Fifty Shades of Grey or anything no, like that? No, 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 no. We're talking about like Wheel of Time, Lord of the Rings, um, the new uh, Stormlight series by an author named Brandon Sand. Like really kind of nerdy like fan, like magic and dragons and that kind of stuff. Like I don't know what it is. I think it's just related to my, my childhood, but I can get pulled into that stuff pretty easily. No, they're good choices. I'm a massive Harry Potter fan. You know? Nice. <laughs> I'm, not, yep. I'm not afraid to submit it. Well, that's awesome. I know you're pushed for time, so I'll, I'll, I'll leave it here, but I can't say how much I enjoy your stuff. You know, I, I think it's a sh- shame that so many more men don't know about you. And if I can help promote you, you know, if I can get more guys interested because you will, are changing lives and your stuff is amazing and groundbreaking. I'd highly recommend anybody listening gets the book. So how can they get in touch with you? How can they, you know, follow your stuff, find the blog, buy the book and that sort of thing? So if you're interested in the book, uh, you can just go to appearanceofpower.com. It will give you opportunities to read more about it, see other reviews on it and stuff like that, and then you can pick it up there. Uh, the main site that I run and that also gives you an opportunity to take that archetype quiz that we were talking about earlier is masculine-style.com. And then as far as social media, I'm most active on Twitter and Instagram, and I do also have a YouTube account, and all of those are under at Tanner Guzzi. And can I just ask a quick question about where, where's your family heritage from? Because Guzzi isn't a typical name that we, you know, I would see in American societies. Yeah. Kind of unique, right? So where it's uh, it's Polish and Czechoslovakian. Okay, no, it's just uh, yeah. when I seen it, I thought that is an epic name. And it must be- yeah, which is kind of interesting because I did uh, I did those uh, like twenty three and Me like those DNA things, mm-hmm. and um, I'm like thirty three percent. British, 22% Scandinavian. I'm only like 4% Eastern European, but that's where the name actually comes from. So that's epic. Like, I've never done, I've never <laughs> done one, but I dread to think where some of my family's from. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been an absolute pleasure. I cannot thank you, uh, tell you how much I've enjoyed this. This has been absolutely superb. I never thought I would be interested in fashion. So for you to make me interested in this kind of area, you're, a, you're you've got some skills. Let's put it that way. Honestly, Ian, that is the highest praise that anybody can give me is I didn't think it mattered and you've helped me see how it mattered. So I, I, I really appreciate that. Well, I definitely want to have you on again and you can help me pick some clothes and stuff like that. We could make a CD. Let's do it. it. So let's do it. <laughs> That's it for another week. Thanks for listening. Absorb it. Practice it. Use it. Until next time. Keep trying to hit that next level in your life.